Hey Coconuts, welcome back to TFC Market Updates. We continue with earnings seasons this week and we double down on interesting things happening in tech. Square acquires buy now, pay later, startup afterpay for 29 billion in a full stock arrangement. In its continued attempt to disrupt the payment ecosystem, increasing the heat in the graph for payment dominance with PayPal, Mastercard, and Visa. Nvidia's acquisition of ARM, the leading semiconductor architecture company, is being blocked by the courts in the UK. Spotify and YouTube reduces pricing in a land grab move for streaming dominance, going as low as 99 cents. But not everyone has the cash cow to burn. All these and more coming right up. TFC Market Updates scours the net for worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. It is a banter session filled with facts, figures, opinions and fun to help you get caught up in the world of finance and investing. My name is Reggie and I stand in for Rakesh today. We have a guest in the house, Nigel from Invest with Nigel. Yet another rising Finfluencer. Join us live every Tuesday at 8pm on our YouTube, Facebook and Twitch. To search the financial coconut, let's roll. Welcome everyone, we're back today, this week on TFC Updates. I think there's a lot of stuff going on, right? A lot of things in the earnings cycles and you know, in tech and all the different spaces. And today we have a guest, right? So we have Nigel in the house from Invest in Nigel. Say hi, Nigel. Yo! Yep, hi everyone. Yeah, thanks for having me too. Mm-hmm. You're very calm, like. make, me, make me look like Xiaokia. Like <laughs> <laughs> right, I'll try to hide you up a little more. Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. Anyway, Nigel has a pretty big channel on YouTube. You should go and check him out. He's also very pro uh, China stocks, right? I think so far, I look at your videos, I was like, oh, all the arguments pretty pro China. You, know, you want to give a quick thought as in why you're so positive about China? I guess generally, I'm just very bullish on China in terms of uh, the economic growth of the country. And I think right now, many people are talking about regulatory risk, things like that. Uh, but when you really look deeper into kind of the aim of the government in terms of what, in terms of their incentives, um, in terms of the regulation, things like that, um, I would say it's um, really nothing to be afraid of. I mean, in my opinion, uh, at least, not financial advice, of course. Yeah so, yeah, so my general views is that the government just wants to make it more of a fair competition for everyone. Um, they're not going to hamper the companies from growth because after all, they need these companies. It's kind of like a symbiotic relationship. So quite, po- quite positive on the Chinese companies and um, great opportunity, in my opinion. Nice. Nice, nice. Symbiotic, don't you like that? But yeah, it's good, it's good. I agree, I agree. Right, actually, I broadly yeah. agree. I, I laugh not because not because I don't agree with you. I laugh because everybody say, no, oh, this is not financial advice. You know, Everything also use this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cover their cutting, right? Like, this is not financial advice. But anyway, yeah, if you want to get more insights to how Nigel look at the markets and what are his thoughts about uh, essentially the Chinese markets. I think recently you churned out a lot of Chinese-related uh, content. Please head over to Invest with Nigel on YouTube. Right? But today we're going to focus on TFC updates. right? So we're going to go one round with all the different news. I think recently a lot of stuff. So I'm going to start first. So the first news that caught my eye this week is Square acquires Australian buy now, pay later, startup after pay mm. for $28 billion in full stock compensation. Okay, so it's a full stock acquisition, no cash out. This is important uh, because the valuation of Square is very, very high. Okay, so Square plans to integrate after pay, which is the Australian buy now, pay later startup into existing seller and cash app business unit. You know, so that they can provide the pay now, pay later ecosystem, essentially, right? And they are not the only ones. There are a lot of other people in the game. You know, pay, PayPal, uh, Visa, they're all trying to acquire and all that jazz, right? So any thoughts, guys, about this whole latest acquisition spree of all these big payment ecosystems and specifically for Square? Okay, so so it's quite interesting uh, when they actually shell out that amount of, uh, actually just stock, 28 billion is pretty huge sum. Um, I'm not sure whether there were actually competitors that uh, were social bidding up the price. It's very, very good for Square, but not so good for, say, PayPal, Visa, MasterCard. That's also trying to go into the space. Lah. Australia is an interesting place. I think um, I think Afterpay is one of the, the bigger market shares one uh, uh, apps that's there so far. So by doing that, basically, they can just secure the whole country. Lah. Yeah. So it's a pretty, pretty uh, bold move, but uh, probably a good one because uh, it's just too competitive. Yeah, but I, I, I think, you know... They are not the only guys. Okay, I'm very interested to mm. try to understand like what is the level of the deal because they are saying that they will integrate the solution. Right? So they're going to integrate yep. the solution um, into their ecosystem. And in my, in my view, right, the solution integration process does not sound like a complicated tech integration. 
it sounds more complicated from a process integration standpoint. Okay, why? Because mm. I think Square's process in terms of payment processes is not as developed as Visa, as PayPal. You know, they, they are very up on the tech chain. So when they want to acquire someone like this, I do think it's a lot for the licensing, for the clearance, for a lot of the, the more back-end stuff rather than tech integration because, you know, it's, it's, just, it's merely just a UI and, you know, a little bit of processing at the back. Am I wrong? I, I see your face is like, me put dong, me put dong. There's some more involvement. La. I mean, behind the scenes, there's always this back-end things. You need to plumb things here and there. But for buy now, mm. pay later, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, basically, you combine like multiple payments into one. This is your whole lump sum already. It's going to be different from, say, Visa or your MasterCard with the underlying infrastructure that's powering uh, your credit and debit card payments. La. There's no fraud checks. Per se, mm. right? So, which is why buy now, pay later is being looked at uh, a lot of different governments across the world uh, to be regulated. It's very, very easy for them to disperse these kinds of uh, mechanisms, right? Because it's not alone, uh, but it has the same effect where people have just additional spare uh, cash uh, to go and spend, so to speak. But actually, they're spending the same amount of cash. It's just that it's in installments. Yeah. So, um, I think it's still okay uh, that they say that they want to integrate and all that. It's not such a big uh, issue. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some involved um, like engineering to inter- actually integrate into this. But uh, basically, if they have your seller and cash app ready up, uh, what they want to do is funnel all these basic payments into their own. Yeah, but it isn't as complicated as say compared to Visa or MasterCard. Yeah. yeah. I think a big thought actually, I think many people are saying that um, are they paying too much for the uh, afterpay itself, because I think it's quite a, quite a huge multiple of sales, uh, just, just for comparison. Um, I think one mm. thing is that they're probably also thinking of monetizing the existing um, afterpay um, users, because when you're buying that company, you're not just buying the company, right? You're, just buy, you're buying like their users, you're buying the merchants that are already on afterpay itself. Mm. And mm. Um, it's a very easy way for them to immediately get the geographic expansion into a new country. Um, so that's one, that's one thing. I think I w- it actually reminded me a bit of when Facebook acquired Instagram, many people are saying, hey, are you paying too much? The company's not even making much revenue. Um, but what they miss out is that when they acquired Instagram, Instagram had a very large user base. So those are just um, assets waiting to be monetized. So I think it's kind mm-hmm. of the same. Uh, I would say that that kind of plays a part in, the, in this acquisition where the existing users could be further monetized. And um, once they are monetized, then the deal may not actually look that expensive. Mm, okay, I, I got two points to that. Right? I think the first point is, Facebook acquiring Instagram, at that point in time, Facebook already has quite an established advertiser base. Right? So they already have an advertiser ecosystem, all the backend stuff that people that you know uh, use Facebook may not know. Right? And they when they acquired Instagram, they had an easy kind of integrate over in terms of business expansion right, into, into where it is. But I think for, for Square, PayPal, Visa, they're all in the market grabbing period, right? Where they're trying to grow yep. their solutions, they're trying to grow their broader uh, ecosystem so that they can be the dominant player of the future, you know, whether it's in payments and what have you. So specifically, when you want to look at Square, right, I think you really got to look at, you know, um, of course, revenue went up quite a bit because over the years, they've acquired a lot of stuff and they've integrated all sorts of solutions for their for their partners, right? But gross margin mm. right, actually came down quite seriously, you know, for the past five years from 37% gross margin to about 23%. So in other words, they are spending to grow or they are stretching themselves much bigger to grow compared to their competitors. PayPal is hovering at about 47% gross margin. Visa is going at about 80% up down year on year. Right. So when you, when you look at from that angle, then you really got a question like, is, is what, what is Square trying to do? Right? Uh, uh, is, it, is it stretching themselves too much and all that jazz? And I would argue that actually... Square is not paying a premium for, for Afterpay because it is giving a stock buyout, right? It is not, it is not right. uh, paying cash. Mm. So Square's valuation is extremely high, yeah. right? So I would argue that Square's valuation is even fatter than Afterpay. <laughs> so so by, giving, by giving a kind of stock uh, acquisition, right? Maybe, maybe they are getting a pretty good deal, right? And, and probably from Afterpay's mm. perspective, you know, it is a it is it is a great integration because you join a bigger a bigger boy in the game, right? Where they have the merchant mm. solutions, they have the cash app, which is com- competing with Venmo. Of course, Venmo is way above. Venmo is from PayPal, right? Yeah. But if you think about it, maybe maybe they did get a good deal, you know, in this space, and they they essentially kind of acquired 
some sort of process partner that can mm. further integrate. Yeah, so so I think that's something something interesting to know, lah. But but what are, what are, what are your thoughts on Square actually as a company? I think it's an interesting company to look at. I don't think it's a payments company, eh. right? We, we shouldn't actually be comparing it directly with your Visa or PayPal. It's, it's first and foremost, it's a it's, it's like a point of sale company, right? It's it's retail transactions mostly, and then they decide to venture into online as well. Um, so direct comparison to that, a bit, um, it's not really the same, lah. And then as for the deal itself, uh, I have some numbers. So for Afterpay, they have 96,000 merchants worldwide, right? So when they acquire them one shot, right? It's not just a user base or so, but it's a number of merchants. And mm. specifically, it's actually for um, the online beauty and wellness sites that's mm. offering the buy now, pay later already. So for Square, it, yeah, for Square, right? This integration is a lot more synergy, right? Because uh, these are so it's like your like maybe mom and pop stores, your brick and mortar kind of shops. Um, and the penetration is 43%. So it's pretty darn high. Um, high, high so yes. yeah. Yeah. It, it could be worth it. Lah. Yeah. Um, US customers, there's 8.1 million. Globally, it's 17 million. So now mm. immediately, they can become uh, Square Cash App customers or users also. Mm, yeah. mm, mm. But I, I would argue because they are a growth stock, right? You already got to look at the total addressable <laughs> market, right? So if you look at the total yeah. addressable market, they have mm. already gone past the pause structure kind of process already. Right, they sure. are now entering the, the fields of the big boys, right? So they're entering the payment processes, they're entering all these, you know, uh, essentially P2P and capital and, you know, uh, pay, square capital and, and what have you, right? So so all, mm. all these differences that they're entering has big players, right? We cannot just look at them as a, as a post company that started long ago. I mean, if you think about it, for there was a period of time they had three ecosystems. The delivery ecosystem, the merchant infrastructure ecosystem, and the, the cash app, you know, uh, consumer payment ecosystem. They spun off the delivery with DoorDash to go for a listing, right? So <clears throat> if you look at it, they went through a lot, a lot, a lot of changes and it's very iconic of Jack Dorsey, right? So mm. Jack Dorsey is the, the founder and I think when you're investing in Square as a company or some kind of companies like this, which are like high growth, um, you're really investing in the management. Jack Dorsey is not my favorite kind of manager. Uh, you really got to look at their number two, right? So uh, we, can, we can talk about this Another time because it's gonna take up a lot, a lot, a lot of space. But yeah, uh, Square, interesting company, interesting moves. Yeah, let's see, let's see where this brings us. Okay, next. Right. So um, I think it's my turn. I like to talk about Apple. So last week, I think you might have heard they are releasing some kind of privacy control. We see they are gonna go through your um, iCloud photos to see whether there's any child abuse or child pornography going on. It's like whoa. Okay. So they have taken that kind of responsibility to the next level. By super invasive, right? So it's just another reason for, number one, the company to actually go through your photos, right? On that basis. But number two also, it's kind of like a backdoor for governments to also pry and maybe just open the door a little bit bigger and say like, oh yeah, I want to check for like terrorist acts. I want to check for this and that or so. And before you know it, it's a kind of a backdoor. So it's a little bit scary. Um, but what do you guys think? Yeah, I was just thinking, I was just having this one thought, right? Like, uh, how many people actually do care about privacy? Because we always say that, you know, we care about privacy, right? But a lot of times convenience, um, to me, la, convenience outweighs privacy. When there's a convenience factor, sometimes we may say we care about privacy, but um, mm. we don't really take much action. So I'm just mm. curious, like, you know, when they pull off such a move, uh, it sounds crazy to me, but if you ask me, would I um, do anything about it, like retaliate a bit or anything, I'll probably just whine a bit, but I'm probably too lazy to... Um, to, to do it. Because that was one of the things I was looking at when um, there was a lot of hoo-ha about Facebook privacy. Like many people say invade privacy stuff, but do people actually take really big action and really retaliate? Um, I, I, I don't think so. La. So that was that was immediately the first thought that came to my mind when I heard of that news. Mm-hmm. And and that was a very good time to buy Facebook. At that point, <laughs> at that point in time, during the whole privacy, yeah, yeah, privacy, yeah, privacy saga, yeah. it went out to 100 30, 170, I can't remember, but, but it has never been this low for many, many years, okay? But uh, if you look at Apple share price, it didn't really shake, you know, nothing really changed. Um, I would I would personally think, I, I agree with what I just say, people care about convenience, but at a certain level, when it proves that it can be very invasive, it fears, people fear, all right? So mm. um, for Facebook, they you clearly tell it's not invasive, right? You don't like you delete the app, so be it, all right? But now you are like, 
it's like a backdoor. Right? Essentially, there's a there's some sort of a of a software backdoor into the device that you're holding on every day, that you are using everything on, right? So maybe in the early days, you know, it's a it's it's a slippery slope discussion. Whether will it get there, nobody knows, right? Whether will they start to collaborate with governments and all that to start to track people, nobody knows. But by then, if that happens, then you never know, right? There there may be new softwares that come in to block them, you know, or people will hop off to OnePlus. I don't know, shout out to OnePlus, Singapore's uh, number one smartphone brand. Uh, uh, what have you, right? So I think on those grounds, it's like, it's a bit wonky now whether will it affect the business. But in the longer term, mm. I honestly don't really like how it sounds. It's like, it's, it's a bit closer to policing already at this moment in time. Right and uh, yeah, although they say they scan for child pornography but you know, uh, so so blocking is one thing, right? As a company, you say like, okay, yeah, we're not we're going to disable access to your iCloud because we have found something funny in your photos. But why if they go to the next level where they also report this to authorities? Then it's a very big hassle. Okay, why do I say this? So everything that runs or their checks, right, is just based off some AI model. Okay, some fancy AI model. It can be tricked. So there's a few photos going around. It's a link to a Google Drive for, with a set of random photos, random colors, right, which can actually trigger this alert. This is a scary bit. So for someone, right, it's like without them knowing, they just take any anyhow take photos or I like this wallpaper, I take screenshot. It just looks something like that, right? Trigger the alert already. Then, pump, you're locked out of your iPhone. And mm. then, worse come worse, you authorities will come to your house. Hey, you're suspected, like, yeah, with all these photos, that kind of thing. This is mm. weird, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get it. But at the core, we got to ask ourselves, will that affect the business, right? At the core, we got to ask ourselves, will consumers... Buy Android. Cons- yeah, yeah. Buy yeah, Android. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, so at the, at, I think for now, everybody is buying broad-based ETF. La. So, all your all your FANG stocks there, they're all, they're all, they're all in it. Right? If you pick your own stocks, of course, it's a bit different. Uh, but generally, I, I think at this moment in time, it will not affect the business at this moment mm. in time, okay? But we got to keep observing as investors. You want to know, like, um, are consumers retaliating? Are they retaliating in droves? Uh, but, you know, we cannot deny that the walk garden strategy is still very strong, you know, for Apple at this mm. moment in time. Right? So, yep. yeah, I, I, doubt, I doubt that will happen in the, in the short term. But as a concerned citizen that I don't want to be excessively policed, you know, I, I don't even like that the MRT has like 100 video cameras, you know, pointing at every single corner. You know, so, so it's like, why would I want uh, anybody to... It's going to be double next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so. yes, anyway. So, so <laughs> I, I think at some point, it gets invasive. It creates unnecessary stress and it reduces the trust level of society. So uh, that's a whole tangent for another time. But for this mm. case of Apple, yeah, I'm, I'm not very concerned yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anything else to add, Nigel? If not, it's your turn. Yeah, I agree well, what you said. Yeah, so uh, my turn. So actually... Uh, this very interesting one came to me, um, which is uh, Robinhood uh, IPO. I don't like the company, so I'm just going to say it first. I don't like the company at all. Um, but, but There goes one uh, sponsor, bro. <laughs> so if you look at uh, the CNBC, right? Robinhood surges like 100% up uh, in, in a week or something. Um, Cathy Woods took a position as well. Um, yeah, but I'm just not a fan of the company. I think I remember there was a... Mm. I think it was Charlie Munger's uh, and one of their annual meeting or what, where he, where he really insulted Robin Hood for, for, for something. I can't really remember, but uh, along those lines. Uh, but I'm not a fan because of the business model. Uh. To me, brokerage platforms tend to be very price competitive. Um, you don't really have an edge with others. I mean, Robin Hood competes like Reboo, Interactive Brokers, TD Ameritrade. Um, they're offering the same thing to me. It's kind of like a commodity kind of product. So just a business-wise, I don't, I'm not a fan. Um, I'm, I, I saw on Reddit the other day that um, people were saying it's going to be the new GameStop and AMC. So I thought it was funny to just bring it up. Uh, as a point of discussion. <laughs> like, what do you guys think of the company? Um, and yeah. Okay, so you, you mentioned Think or Swim, right? It's by TD Ameritrade. So I think their business model is almost the same as Robinhood. It's just that it's not as marketed as uh, badly. Uh. So TD Ameritrade <laughs> also, they have their own um, market maker behind the scenes, right? Selling the order flow from your retail traders to them. Uh, it's just that they don't tell this out loud. But what they tell very loudly is that, oh, no commissions whatsoever. And that has worked well so far. Um, not so not sure why at one at some point Robin Hood got very very negative flag from the media and then it's just been positioned that way. Uh, but yes, uh, their, their their business model definitely just um, thrives on on order flow. I think that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is about their stock price. Um, I think the one or two days where they actually IPO, 
nothing moved actually. A lot of movement came only when um, Cathy Wood said that she had a position or because she entered into position, that's why the price moves are so high. So I don't know. I think most of these uh, movements is, is due to very large whales actions rather than a lot of people piling in. I, I think these kind of price movements is a little bit of both, right? So there's a little bit of momentum <laughs> inside. There's also a little bit of, uh, you know, big whales revealing their position and other people finding comfort that, oh, you know, the, these guys are owning something, you know, it's not a career-breaking mm. decision anymore, right? Because the uh, re- reality is a lot of these uh, big financial guys, they don't want to take on unpopular positions or they don't want to take on positions that are too special. Although if they want to create alpha, they have to take on these kind of positions, right? But it will, it will kill their career, if it does not do well, all right. So they, 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 you know, it's hard, lah, right? To to go to your to go to your investors. Oh, we're gonna open a position in our, you know, ETF to to have five uh, percent in Robinhood. You know, but compared to compared to after Katy would come out and say, oh, you know, we have a very big position. So, oh, you know, Katy, you know that friend next door, right? She she she, <laughs> yeah. she bought some. You know, let, let's buy some too. Right? So, so and that's the that's the reality in 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 a lot of funds. You know, a lot of people don't recognize this that your fund managers they are also humans. They also have a job. They also trying to survive. And, and all that stuff, right? So I think that's something to note. So it's a little bit of big wheels coming in, a little bit of momentum, a lot of, re- a little bit of retail guys pushing up, right? So it's, it's not it's not as um, simple as what people put it out to be. That That's my base case, la. right? But for, for Robin Hood's business, I don't like it for sure. Uh, but I also think manga is a little bit outdated. Okay, so so okay, okay. I know, I know. I throw this thing out, right? It's like I gonna flag, you know. Like I get, I get attacked by all these like value people, fundamentalists. Okay, why, why I think, why I think manga is a bit, a bit, a bit outdated. I, I, I don't think he's dumb. I think he's very smart. Huh? And I'm in no position to say, to say, to say that. Right? But if you think of how fast growth is changing, you think of how fast a lot of these uh, companies can spin off new revenue, you know, stream. In today's world, you 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 really gotta un- you really cannot underestimate the kind of exponential like exponentiality of these businesses, right? And and I'm not saying that you know oh it's so easy to just start another vertical or it's just so easy to do another thing, you know. But hey, it's actually not that difficult to you know upsell something with push notification. It's not that difficult to you know <laughs> funnel your audience to do something else. Push notification is one of the best innovation out there for, for anybody that's trying to market something. So do not underestimate the power of push notification. You just look at what, what uh, Zuckerberg can do, right? He can just go on the Facebook app and say that, oh, we're going to do a talk. Da, da, da. He can essentially change the whole world if he wanted to, to do those kind of things, which is why it's very scary for a lot of, uh, a lot of governments. Right? So from, from that angle, you cannot underestimate the kind of following that uh, Robinhood has and the kind of revenue stream that you can spin off, right? P2P lending, whether is it, you know, um, higher risk investment tools, they just need new licenses, they can acquire other people. As the valuation get thicker, all kind of stock, you know, merger and all that, uh, it's a, a lot of stuff can happen and you cannot discount the management. You can you can question that, you know, all oh, these guys, whether they got ethics and what, but you cannot discount that they changed the whole sector. Right, this bunch of uh, techies that were not from like you know Wall Street and all, right? They essentially changed the whole sector. They killed all the commission trading, in a matter of like what eight years, right? So so you, you you cannot discount you know how rigorous they are and how innovative they are and how fast they move, right? And and they have a cult following, right? So I think from there as a business, uh, that's something that yeah maybe people will conveniently put in a discount factor. Okay, I sound like Kat- Katie Wood's neighbor now, but but <laughs> yeah, a- any thoughts? Okay, so so basically, um, I think the trend of all these fees coming down already has been there for the longest time, uh, not just for retail, but for also institutional, financial mm. uh, financial institutions. So um, it's just that it's been marketed that way. This is my theory. It's, one, it's a trend that's ready that the fees are just going down and down and down and down. Institutional, hedge funds, retail investors, they're not willing to pay so much anymore just to get a trade done. Right, mm. but Robinhood is at the front and center because they are the the main attraction. It's like the most attractive app to actually use, but so is Charles Schwab, right? So it's like interactive brokers. It's also low but not free, but they have their advantages. Things like that. So where the trend is actually going is that the fees are going to get lower, if not for zero. So they have to find somewhere else to make one. But for Robinhood in this case, um, where I see that they want to grow from is to say become a super app. Like, mm, this story has been told for the longest time, but still no super app. Lah. So mm. they want to go into, say, like, oh, lending, or they want to become a deposit account. They want to become like a next kind of transfer-wise 
uh, there's limits to that growth because everyone else is piling into that. Like we just talked about Square, right? We, there's also Stripe, mm. PayPal and all that trying to do the same thing. So I don't know. Uh, growth prospects for the company, I think it's still rather limited. They can do as many things as they want. Um, but realistically, realistically speaking, their base Mr. model is you still need some kind of cash cow before you do these kind of things. Uh. If not, yes. you have to spend as much as, as um, Square to just expand. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to talk about the part that uh, Reggie mentioned about, you know, creating new revenue streams. I think Manish Pravai recently did some, uh, he had this uh, recent uh, presentation on this thing he called Spawners. Uh, basically, the Amazons, you know, how they come out with like AWS. Yeah, so he kind of uh, he kind of talked about this idea of uh, looking for companies that has uh, opportunities for Spawners, for new businesses to generate new revenue stream that's totally um, beyond their existing business. Like, for example, Amazon, AWS, um, if I'm not wrong, it's taking like, um, it's taking like more than fifty percent of the income right now. So, um, and twenty years ago, the investment thesis would would not be on AWS because AWS didn't exist. So definitely, there's uh there's uh opportunity there for such companies where they are able to bring out new revenue streams. Uh, the thing that I would caution against is more of having this uh biasness of you know looking at these companies that have already made it. They've produced spawners that became cash cows, but there are also companies that. There are also many companies that um, look like they were going to produce spawners, um, has characteristics of those kind of companies, but didn't make it. And uh, there's this biasness that I think some investors will look at, you know, uh, this company could be the next Amazon, this company could be the next whatever, la, for Google or whatever. But there are also many, many companies that were said to be the next ones, but didn't make it. So it's just a, just a point that I wanted to talk. And also, um, the part about money provided. I thought that was a really interesting idea. It's also um, he also reinforced um, uh, uh, the idea of option optionalities, which is something I look for more increasingly nowadays. La. Like for example, that's why I'm a very big fan of Facebook because, um, like you said, there's a lot of power when you have so much eyeballs. Right, half the world is on Facebook. You can literally spun out a new thing, payment, um, whatever, payment, business uh, solutions, country, and for succeeding. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so I think that that's a that's a good way that's a good framework to look into, but um, also to avoid the biasness in that area, lah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I fully agree. You know, but at at the core, I think when you are buying a company in the IPO stage or in the early days, right, uh, you should be cautious, uh, because you don't know what the investors are they yep. want to do. Okay, if if I am management at today's valuation, I will sell more shares. I will liquidate you. Okay. Okay. So, so you know, because because I I need to I need capital to fight, right? I need war chest to fight, and you're willing to come here at this premium, right? Going raise from investors, lah. Yeah, yeah. Going your shareholders, Yeah. No, 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 no. Your shareholders at this stage are also your investors, right? At a certain level, they have to handle you know such thoughts, or they they have to be able to accept and recognize that it is all part of investor management. I think I either take on that or I I I raise more. You know, uh, equity, right? And in today's valuation, I will raise more equity rather than debt. Or I mean, I mean that I will do both. Like. I take more debt first, then I raise more equity. Or you could get more revenue, you know, like sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, but you know, but but we 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 have come to terms to the idea that this business model is a, a little bit wonky already, right? So you you need you need the watches to do something else, right? And I think Robin Hood may do that, right? So either way, um. I avoid IPOs. I do not buy any companies that are one year into IPOs. To me, they are still getting their foot together. I want to see what the management is doing and all that stuff, right? So it's all part of it. Okay, so that is uh, Robin Hood for all of you. Yeah, I hope you uh, don't use Robin Hood. But anyway, uh, so <laughs> so next company, next company is a lot uh, a lot stronger. I think fundamentally. They have a great business. They have a big cash cow, and that is Nvidia. Okay, UK considers blocking Nvidia's forty billion takeover deal of ARM. Okay, so for all of you that don't know mm. what is ARM, ARM is essentially the company that sets the blueprint for a lot of all the chips, uh, a, a lot or all. I think probably all uh, <laughs> So all the kind of computer chips out there, almost all of them. Uh, okay, I would say all of them uses some element of ARM's design. Right. So they are the architecture design, they are the guys that design the chips. And then you have all these other people that produce. And NVIDIA wanted to acquire ARM. Right? Because uh, I do think that there's a lot of advantage for anybody to own ARM, right? <laughs> to be the dominant player, to then decide whether I own a license to my competitor, right? So I think there's a lot of uh, monopoly risk and all, all the anti-competition risk. 
Uh, so I, I recognize that. But uh, when I when I saw NVIDIA wanting to acquire ARM, I was like, yeah, this is a good move because GPU may be a little bit of a problem going forward uh, for as a business uh, because it's not as prominent in wearables, not as prominent in mobile. It's not as important. GPU, which is their main business, NVIDIA. All right. So any thoughts uh, about this UK blocking NVIDIA's 40 billion takeover? Yeah, I think when we did the NVIDIA stock kick out, this was really, really important for, for NVIDIA because it's, mm. it's just strategic. Right, there are certain areas which NVIDIA wasn't so strong at, but uh, this will cement their position as a provider of GPUs as well as for CPUs. Um, NVIDIA is, a, is primarily producing um, GPUs meant for, say, games, uh, Bitcoin mining, um, in this case, like AI and all for cloud compute, but they're not very good at doing CPUs. Right? In, in fact, they don't even do it because it's not their core competency. But um, moving forward, that will kind of mesh together, that whole technology roadmap. So GPUs and CPUs, they have to be really, really aligned. Uh. And you'll come to the point where uh, now, say if you're on a Windows or you're on, um, yeah, mostly Windows, uh, you're on some Intel kind of CPU, right? Yeah, moving forward, the performance for that won't be as good because, uh, well, Apple did it better. Uh. So everyone's scrambling to try and uh, <laughs> figure out what the architecture is like. Um, but basically, all of it is, is just ARM architecture under the hood, right? Uh, even for Android, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, all the tech geeks out there, but yeah, it's also using ARM, I think. Uh, yes, it is using ARM. So, uh, yeah, once your devices, they, they, they go from, say, um, bigger to smaller, 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 smaller. So that's where um, ARM architecture comes into play. Yeah, I actually don't really have much views because I've not looked deeply into the company itself. I'm just wondering, given such a big deal, right, didn't the other big tech companies um, try to get a, a piece of the pie kind of thing? Uh, I would be surprised if, if they are not trying to do that. Uh, I, I, I do think there's a little bit of a bidding before that, but not now. right? So they, they, NVIDIA probably is really paying a super premium for, for a lot of these things already mm. right? and trying to enter the space. Now it's getting all the permissions... Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it is a complicated deal, okay? So, uh, because they are essentially the grandfather of, you know, architecture in computer chips. So, mm. so I would think that it's not, it's not even easy to pull off from a legislation standpoint. And they were probably the closest one to getting to where they want to go. And by the way, I think just to clarify, ARM is owned by SoftBank or was it owned by... It's owned by SoftBank, right? Right, so okay. ARM was a is a is a UK company that SoftBank bought over already, right? Or at least a majority stake, lah, Right, so you know you know all, all that jazz is a bit complicated. Um, at some point, deals is not about money anymore, right? At some point, uh, some of the higher order deals, there's a lot of geopolitical, there's a lot of synergy, there's a lot of will you create jobs in my country? All those things mm. that people don't talk about. Um, those are the kind of big deals that that happens in the market. Right. So, mm. broadly speaking, I would think uh, it does not it does not give NVIDIA a very good chance. But I also think that people need to understand that um, when you're investing in semicons, especially in the chip makers, um, it is an arms race. Okay. In other words, this year you are, you are faster. A few years later, I'll be even faster. You know, I will have an even shorter nanometer. You know, it's just you know everybody's just fighting yeah. each other. It's, it's always on the arms race, which is why there's uh, some sort of uh, people say there's some sort of cyclicality. And uh, but there's also reports saying that cyclicality may disappear because more and more usage and and what have you, right? So I, I did a discussion with searching. It's gonna come out maybe in a, in a few months. But yes, Ooh. we got a lot of content stacked out. So yes, give us some time to release uh, bit by bit. Uh, but but generally. Knowing that it is an arms race um, gives you a little bit more clarity in trying to understand why they, in the first place, wanted to uh, buy up. Lo? Yeah, that's that's uh, my base case. Uh. Oh. Mm -mm -mm. Okay, so anything else to add for arms deal? Arms deal, arms race. Yeah, I see what you did there. La. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that too. You might lame, la, but okay, okay, okay. That's, so that's, that's all for NVIDIA. Yeah. All right, my turn. Um, so mainly this is more of a product update, but it also kind of leads you in into where the trend is going regarding, uh, say, content. Um, so I'm going to be talking about YouTube as well as for Spotify. So they're actually testing out a cheaper version for each of them. So you might see some trials. Go ahead and click it. Say that it's good. Because if there's more and more people that say that it's good, then the price for Spotify Premium and the price for YouTube Premium is going to go down. Right? So Spotify is experimenting with a $0.99 cent deal. 
right, per month. And YouTube is going at about, I think, $6.95 rather than $11.99. Yeah, so all those surveys, they do just do. Please just do, yeah. So <laughs> this is super awesome. Uh. Yeah, okay, but what, why, why it actually matters, right? Because this is a price war, right? And um, for content players like these, uh, they have this platform. But if it's going down to even, say, like half of what they're originally going to charge, uh, that's going to affect their margins. Uh. So as they, as they move down, right, down the chain, then you're going to see other players also um, reducing the prices, right? It's going to become even more competitive. Uh. Yeah. So, so what do you think? I think it's quite, uh, I think it's quite interesting because uh, I was just looking at a, a bit of uh, Spotify the other day. And I think the main difference, uh, because, you know, people always say that, you know, Spotify is just Netflix, but like music instead of uh, videos on, on demand <laughs> videos. But the thing is, when I look at Spotify, um, if I'm not wrong, they are, when they, they are, their cost structure is very different. So it's not like they pay a fixed amount and then, they can like uh. spread it out among all their user base, right? They have to like pay the record licensing, record people. Yes. Yeah, the uh, licensing. Yes, uh, then they pay mm-hmm. by a by a streaming kind. So so I think I think when you reduce your price significantly by so much, um, and you don't have that kind of cost advantage like people like Netflix where um, they can actually spread it out, then the margins will take uh quite a big hit. You really have to see. I guess I would really focus on their independent content on whether they can boost that up. Uh, for example, I, I personally don't use Spotify that much for music. It's a lot for podcasts. Uh, and, and, and I think that that's one area they can develop on. So that's something I will be focusing on, which is the independent content, not those not those that they get licensed from, those independent artists or podcasts. Uh, that would be one area I'll be, I'll be quite, uh, I'll be watch, I'll, I'll watch it. Uh. Mm. Once again, I want to give a shout out to companies like uh, BuzzFeed, companies like New York Times, companies like Discovery, companies like WWE. All of them are content houses, content powerhouses that you should take a look. Okay, because my take is all these streaming companies, they are all trying to get an edge, right? So they're going to be bidding up all the right, streaming rights. They're going to be bidding up all these uh, different mm. content brand names, right? So whoever there's a decent brand name, they can continue to stay relevant. They can create very good content, very good eyeballs. They'll be able to bid up their, their cash flow. They can make a lot of money from there. And uh, it may be a little bit underappreciated, right? Whether it's New York Times or whether it's Discovery or you know BuzzFeed, whatever you right? Some of these companies, right? So take a look at them. Let me know if you have any any interesting observations. You know, we can we can have a good discussion. But specifically, I I like that you've pointed out, Nigel, I like that you've pointed out that um, Spotify has a slightly different business model compared to Netflix in terms of how they pay content creators. But this is a legacy situation from the music days, right? Mm. So in the past, mm. all of them, they do that, right? They, they, they get licensing fee and what have you. So that's a legacy. And uh, they are actually investing a lot of money in, like what you said, branded podcast, or whether it's long-form uh, instrumental audio and those kind of things uh, that do not have as much of either a premium or they have fixed costs. So that would fundamentally help Spotify's business uh, a little bit better, you know, in my view, right? But um, like I said, they are not the only ones in the game. There'll be a lot of people beating up for content. So whether or not can they continue to, to grow and thrive is, is, uh, is interesting. But Spotify's algorithm and Spotify's discovery is amazing. It's a different kind of discovery, okay? So Spotify's discovery for podcasts is shit compared to um, YouTube's discovery for knowledge kind of content. Right, because mm. I mean, YouTube is essentially a search engine, right? Uh, but if you want to talk about discovery of taste and experience, Spotify is amazing. You can click a few songs. After that, they can kind of know what what you like. They will be able to recommend you things that are similar. There are playlists so far. Any playlist that you click in, right? If you listen to one or two, two, if you can listen through two or three of the first the first few songs, then you will be able to listen through throughout. Right, the, the kind of matching and discovery is, is very powerful uh, on Spotify's platform. So I think that's something to, to recognize. Yeah. Uh, as, for, as for them reducing their, their compensation or uh, as for them reducing their costs, it's a land grab law. Right? Uh, everybody is trying to do the land grab phase. Right? So similar to every other streaming play. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have much thoughts about it other than it's a, it's a very cutthroat business. It's a hard time. Yes. Oh, by the way, do you guys know that Peloton actually pays the highest for music streams? You know Peloton, oh, the, the cycling The, the cycling, cycling one. Yes, yes, wow. yes. They actually pay the highest to their creators. Right? So, yeah, it's huh. interesting, right? I never thought, I never thought like, well, the cycling company actually pays the most. Yes. So, I think Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, uh, they all 
pay one of the least. Yeah, Spotify, Amazon, I think is the, the worst. Is it to the the independent creators or to the record labels? Independent creators. I see, I see. Mm. Record label usually have a very different uh, negotiation terms. Mm. Yeah, and then you know all the Tencent licensing rights and all that, right? So it's it's, a, <laughs> it's the same 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 parallel one. The discussion is very different there. But yeah, eh, well, so yeah, that, that that's my that's my thoughts on um, essentially them trying to drive down their costs to for customers, you know. But at the same time, the economics don't really work out, you know, uh, from their content side of things, like, In my view, at this point in time, do you think Apple Music, uh, or rather the Apple package, right? You get like Apple Music, and then you get iCloud, the whole package, um, and Prime, right? Packages like these, right? And the companies that provide them. Do you think they stand to benefit from this as compared to, say, um, the standalone platforms like Spotify? Amazon Prime and Apple, they they are dominating this space because of this kind of package deals, like, in my view. Okay, But if they continue mm. to do it right, then they run a very high chance of anti-monopoly you know, uh, legislation. Right, right? Because, because it's, it's, not, it's not about whether are they really monopolistic, but you know, monopolistic can be very broadly interpreted, right? If they mm. if they if they continue to flex their muscle at such, you know, level, then uh, you never know, right? So some of these uh, big breakups may happen, like like with uh, earlier earlier days with like Microsoft and, and everyone else, uh, even before that. Right? So uh, it's been a long time since we have broken up a big monopoly. <laughs> so you, you, oh, never know, you never know. You never you never know what will happen. But yes, I'm. I'm I definitely think that these guys uh, have advantage just because of their size, just because of their value offering. From a consumer standpoint, you cannot we cannot lie to ourselves. Wow, you pay this one price, you get all these things. Compared to mm. you know, you you pay a little bit on Spotify, pay a little bit on Netflix, pay a little bit on something else. The, the, the kind of package deal is powerful, especially I think especially with Apple. Not so much with Amazon, at least not in this part of the world. I think Amazon in the US is way more dominant, the kind of reach and the kind of experience that they have created. Right? But Apple, yep. you know, in this part of the world is, is very powerful in terms of the kind of experience that they're creating with the whole walk garden situation. right? Uh, but yeah, yeah, they, they do have an outsized advantage. A bit, out, a bit too outsized in my view. Yeah, but I don't, I don't really think it will be a kind of winner-takes-most kind of dynamics where you just have one winner, right? So, for example, uh, you can have Netflix and Disney Plus because they are producing differentiated content. And so both winners, people can subscribe to both. Um, just like how if Music and Spotify, they can have their own differentiated podcasts, um, independent creators. Um, I don't see why both can't be winners at the same time, um, especially when it takes up such a small wallet share of each consumer. Uh, especially mm. if they drop down the price even further, right? So, fair. I I think that's something that definitely needs to be uh, talked about in the sense that too many people when they price into business, right? They always price into the winner take all idea, you know. But the, the mm. reality is there are certain sensitive technology that will end up in such situations where they really have superior, you know, in terms of the output, in terms of the kind of quality that they are creating. And those things uh, rarely happens on consumer level. Okay, it, it happens a lot in manufacturing. It, it happens a lot in precision engineering and all the high, high tech, uh, complex stuff like pharma and all those kind of things. Those things they exist, you know. But when it comes to consumer goods or consumer facing businesses, it rarely is a monopoly. Uh, different people will want different things. They have different experience. And like what Nigel pointed out, yeah, you know, uh, it's a multi-platform situation now we will end up with multiple platform but that does not mean that the price today you're paying is fair it also does not mean that you should randomly pick your favorite platform because oh you know joe rogan is speaking on spotify so i'm gonna invest in spotify compared to youtube you know or i, I don't want to buy netflix because you know i don't, uh, they, they lost friends or something like that. wait did they lose friends uh, but but yeah yeah so you, you get the idea right your, your consumer experience is one thing I think especially for a lot of retail investors, we've got to be aware, you know, we can enjoy certain content and, and all that. But objectively, when we look at the business, what is their acquisition cost? What's their churn rate? What is the kind of content cost per consumer? All those things are fundamental metrics that you cannot run away, right? So if you look at all of them, driving price down is really trying to grow the base, right? More users, then the economics maybe makes more sense when they pay lump sum for content. Right. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree that it is not a winner takes all, but I also caution the idea of just, you know, just, just trying to look into a, what do you call that? Like a, 
like uh, trying to look into Fetter's the future. Fetter's competitor, yeah, just yeah, yeah. buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't, just Fetter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Anything Anything else for, for Spotify, YouTube? If not, then let's... 99 let's, cents. Yeah, nine go for it. Yeah, yeah. Go for it, go for <laughs> it. Yes, yes. Next, next. Let's, let's move on to the last pointer for tonight. All right. So last one I have. So... Um, this is a bit. Uh, this is about Facebook. So specifically on WhatsApp, how they plan to analyze. Uh, I mean, on WhatsApp, our messages are encrypted, so they can't really track it much. And now they are saying that they are reportedly researching ways to actually use the um, messages to do targeted advertising as well. Uh, this is a bit. This is interesting to me because uh, more recently, I've observed more and more businesses starting to use WhatsApp business uh, in Singapore itself. Um, and so this is. Uh, that's the route that they always wanted to hit for, for businesses to use WhatsApp to connect with customers. And now if they are also able to use WhatsApp encrypted message to do targeting, I think it, the synergy there is, 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 is great. I think this is good for them. Um, especially with Apple, they are wanting to block them on certain kinds of uh, fronts, right? The, the biggest one is the IDFA. So basically it's just an identifier for Apple devices. Um, Google also is trying to block everyone else uh, with their cookies, so anything on Chrome. So having some way to um, bypass that, at least from messages, right, will help them to secure their footing, uh, at least in the advertising space for WhatsApp. Yeah, we'll see whether this kind of technology can apply in other areas. It will be pretty interesting though. Yeah. So basically it's like, I can still kind of see your data without you letting me access to your data. It's that kind of, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but how, how effective is the targeting would be another thing, right? I, I don't I don't expect it to be as good as the existing Facebook targeting right now. Right. Yeah, just lo- logically, right. la, logically, yeah. If they cannot even see right. what you're typing, then No, but 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 if you if you think about it, the, the targeting is not is not a independent thing. It is just more data for the broader algorithm, mm, for the broader yeah. ecosystem, right? So it they're not they're not solely reliant on one thing. It's like let's say Telegram say they're gonna use their data to, you know, uh, try to do advertising or signal. Say they want to do. It. They they only have that one platform and it's massively encrypted. It's gonna be very hard for them to do ads, you know. But for for WhatsApp, it is just an extension of Facebook, right? So imagine you already have Facebook. Uh, actually, don't need to imagine you already have Facebook, Instagram, Messenger, and WhatsApp, right? Everybody has that shit. Uh. So if you if you are already on all these platforms, and you allow them to integrate, right? So with your phone integration. Your, your numbers, they, they pull together, then they know that you are the person already. So it, it's just an add-on mm-hmm. onto their, their data collection process. It's not, yeah, it, it's, it's just going to make them more efficient with targeting, right? It, fundamentally. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Thomas and I, we, we talked about it in the, in the geek out about how, you know, a lot of things that Facebook is doing uh, seems not very profitable. Yes, because it is new features, new functions. They're not really monetizing it, but it's all collecting more data so that you know, they can be very efficient as a platform to allow advertisers to 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 throw ads at you, right? So if you if you think about it, I mean, as content creators, uh, honestly, we do struggle with like performance marketing. You know, marketers come to us and they throw CPM numbers, you know, cost per impressions, right? And they'll be like, oh, you know, uh, we throw Facebook ad, uh, CPM is forty cents, fifty cents. You know, YouTube ads maybe thirty cents. You know, whatever. I'm like, how to fight? I, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot fight this kind of CPM. I cannot, I, uh, I, I find it very hard to, to give you that kind of competition. So just as a personal experience from a, as a content creator, for all of you listening that don't understand, cost per impression essentially is the amount of money uh, the advertiser were to spend to get you onto, you know, their website or to get, get you onto their link, to get you to interact with them. Right, so... Mm. There, I mean, there are a lot of softwares that are trying to optimize this thing, but at the base case, right, Facebook and Google has already done massive job, you know, great job in optimizing this thing to essentially commoditize your impression, right? So even as a even as a content creator, I, I find it very hard to charge a premium, right? A, a lot of people come to us and like, mm, well, you're very expensive. So yeah, of course, I, I need to fund, right? Facebook, Facebook is, is a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot bigger, right? But yeah, all that being said, uh, as a as a investor, I'm long Facebook. Okay, I just want to put it there. I'm long Facebook. Uh, I like it, of course, as an investor. But uh, from a from a from a social user, from a person that is in society, I may not like it as much, right? Because I think at some point it becomes too, you know, it's just too much, lah. Right? Like go la, go la. Enough information, already. What what else you want? You want to know what color underwear I wear? Is it? You know that kind. Of 
like, okay. actually, we have a product for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah. Thomas, any, anything? I know you got a lot of things to say about Facebook. Uh. I think it's pretty good. Uh. It's, it's interesting. It, it's there to stay uh, as a company. So, um, although it's a big company that is a lot of attention is put onto it, it's also doing as best as it can to try to appease to the regulators. So this is one of them, right? These side projects say like, see, like this project, by this project, if I'm able to do it, I'm not invading everyone's privacy anymore. Yeah, and then nothing to say anymore, right? Mm. The only thing left is like the anti-monopolistic thing. La. But I, I, I guess they have other ways to address it also. So overall, I think, yes, uh, good as an investor. Social-wise, um, a bit of a gray area here. Uh, on one hand, you can fight to say that, yes, uh, they're not actually invading anyone's privacy, right? They can still make money off it. Uh, on the other hand, it's like, yeah, they're just working around whichever regulations they are. Yeah. So it really depends where you stand on the fence. Yeah, but, but I, I definitely want to re reiterate the idea that a lot of these things that Facebook is doing, or even Google, you know, as two of them especially, uh, a lot of these new features that they're rolling out, a lot of these new things that they are trying, uh, it does not need to be massively successful. Okay, it does not need to be like the next big thing. It does not need to be the best because it's just an additional thing for them to become better at what they are already very good at. All right, so uh, don't need to be too too raved upon uh, any particular features that they are doing. Like, I'm 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 actually uh, mm. more. I will be more excited if Facebook uh, creates more business models. You know, whether it's like WhatsApp business or you know more more streams of revenue. They have a lot of features, already, but the revenue is is. Still the same, uh. Yeah, I, I, the metaverse, I, metaverse, Oculus Rift, Oculus Quest. I think it's on its way, lah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe in ten years, Yeah, ready player one, ready player one. Yeah, ready player one, guys. But yeah, I, I do, I do hope that as an investor of Facebook, I will, I will want to see more of that, lah. Yeah, right. Not so, not so much about new features, not so much about new things. You know, I, th I think those are important to stay relevant. Uh, but yeah, business model, man. Aren't you concerned, Nigel? Like Facebook, for so many years, right? They only make money from ads. Actually, I'm not so concerned. Because to me, if something works, why not just continue doing it? And the addressable market and everything is still so underpenetrated. I think like out of, out of like few, few hundred millions of uh, business, business on Facebook, only like a small proportion are active advertisers. So the market is so huge. Um, in the process, if you can come with new revenue streams, that's even better. Um, like if they can do something like a WeChat next time, that would be amazing. But um, in, the, in the meantime, they are still a cash cow generating growth of like 15-20%. Um, and then you get the added optionality of all those other factors, AR, VR, Metaverse, um, whatever, Facebook pay, WhatsApp pay, that's a bonus. Uh, that's actually my core thesis for Facebook. Proven business cash cow, and then you still have all the optionality factors. So your risk to reward is fairly at the optimal. And still, I think like uh, when, I, when I got my first position like two, three years ago, it was so damn cheap. So you still get a valuation plus point. And then to me, that's why the risk to reward is optimal for Facebook. Lah. The big things take time. So I think Oculus Rift, Oculus Quest, the VR play, it's a very long-term play. Um, like Facebook, even for Google and for Apple, right? they don't do things based off trends. Like they say, oh, fintech's a trend, let's do fintech. Apple is like, it, from the longest time already, they've wanted their own credit card, they wanted their own wallet payments, and then they initiated when the time was right. So there's always an R&D that's going on. Uh, for Facebook being an advertising company, I mean, that's what it is, right? So is Google or Alphabet, right? I mean, it's got a lot of other spin-offs underneath. Right? It's a venture capital company, some might say. But the bulk of their revenue still comes from ads. Yeah, and you don't really see much innovation that's coming out of it other than uh, more investments into your, into your VC funds. Yeah, so big, big companies, you have to give them some slack. Yeah, so they will continue to grow uh, with their current business model, I think. But uh, as with this kind of optionality, they also take time to see how um, they can really plug it back into their main ecosystem and then grow from there. Yeah. So yes, 10 years, 10 years should be the horizon. Mm. Yeah, I think I think there was a, I think in, in, in a few years back, one of their earnings calls, so they, they list out, I think actually in all of their earnings calls, they will always say they are three-year plan, five-year plan, 10-year yeah. plan. Uh, they have this, they have this uh, outline. La, and the ARBRs thing is always right. in the 10-year plan. They always talk about it in the 10-year plan. And you can tell from the management tone, it's always, it's too early. It's very early, still long way. Like the tone is always, you know, we're just investing for the future kind of thing. But if I'm not wrong, their R&D is very heavy in that space. It's actually predominantly the AR VR space. It's just that, uh, I, I mean, I believe it's a hard tech. Lah. 
to, to come up with the whole metaverse thing. It's definitely not something that's easy. Uh, but to see that they're actually putting the cash to, to work um, and they actually have in mind to work towards that. And more recently, they officially, Mark Zuckerberg officially talk about it formally. And I think that's a good direction um, for Facebook. If, if it plays out great, mm. if it doesn't, you still get a cash cow that's generating mm. crazy amount of profits. Uh, I'm still a happy shareholder. Fair, fair. And I, I think it's, it's good to note that Zuckerberg is still very, very young. Right, it's not it's not easy to have a founder that started so young, managed to mm, yeah. turn, you know, keep changing himself to get the company to where he is and get himself to where he is. And I think recently he has went on longer holidays, which I think is great because it's a sign of maturity. His his uh, ability to like let it go, you know, let the team manage and things are still doing fine and all that jazz. So to me, because I do this kind of a lot of things, right? But I, either way, I think this is good, right? Because uh, yeah, you, you, you keep hustling. You know, you, your mind is clocked, right? You need to go out and, and see things. But I will say that, you know, people should not be giving them too much slack also, right? Because if you ask me, the whole WeChat pay, they they, they lost out. They, they, they lost out on the whole WhatsApp payment process. You know, they, they lost out on the whole messenger payment. They could have done it five years ago, you know, but they didn't, they didn't really, you know, do it as much, right? So I would, I would rate them, I would rate them, more as a as a as a like a bit like a B, yeah. you know, not not so much not so much uh, A management. To put it bluntly, right, if Dorsey was managing this company or Musk was managing this company, right, you will see them at or Bezos was managing this company, you might see Facebook at a whole different realm altogether by now, right, right. In, in my view, lah, right. So I think Zuckerberg is, yeah, you know, it's it's good management, okay, but you know, don't 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 need to. Yeah, yeah. I, I will not give him too much slack, uh, in my view. Why, why, why you laugh? Uh? <laughs> Giving a yeah a B rating. <sighs> yeah, yeah, Where's yeah, the yeah, A minus or the A plus? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. No, no, no interview. But, but that, that's, that's my. That's, I, I don't think it's a bad company. I think business fundamentals are pretty good. Uh, all the little things that they're trying to do is great, you know. But at the core, I think they could have done. They probably could have done so much better. Uh, but but even 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 at today's valuation, it's quite good. Okay, so that's just my my base take. Uh. anyway, we have a question about TikTok. Okay, I know your favorite topic uh, about TikTok. Okay, so I'm I'm not a TikTok user. Nigel, are you on TikTok? Yeah. Okay, okay. So women's a different era. Okay, anyway, I, I I'm not, I'm not on TikTok. Any thoughts on the rise of TikTok? Is it gonna challenge Google? Is it gonna challenge uh, Facebook? Yeah, so I think I can talk about it a little bit because I use it as a user and as a content creator. So I guess the, the on-the-ground kind of thing. Uh, I, I, I touched a little bit about it in one of my videos, I think like one or two months ago. I think the most important thing to understand, right, is that when you're using Facebook, Instagram, and when you're using TikTok, you're using it for two different purposes. When you're using TikTok, it's because your mind is dead and you just want to sit there and scroll and entertain yourself. But when you're using Instagram, you're trying to see what your friends are doing. That's that social element that TikTok doesn't have. So to begin with, I would even put them under the same competition for users. Of course, they compete for user attention, user time spent throughout the day, um, and of course, advertising dollars. But to begin with, the user intent is different. And I do not see TikTok ever coming to the social element for Facebook uh, that, that Facebook has because um, they, they are, the primary content format is short videos. Uh, I don't see people taking short videos of themselves, updating on short videos in, in the sense of Facebook, where you can post tags, where you can post pictures, uh, things like that. And then the other thing would be, of course, uh, competing for ad dollars. I don't think they even come close. Um, there will be some ad formats that will work better on TikTok. Uh, I think I spoke to a friend who was doing like social media stuff. Uh, they, 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 do try out, they did try out some ads and everything on TikTok. I think certain formats work well, but for the most part, performance ads-wise, uh, like you said, no one can compete with YouTube, Google, and Facebook. Uh, that Reggie was mentioning just now about the CPM. So... Pretty strong, uh, pretty strong, what Warren Buffett would say, a moat, pretty strong moat there. Uh, very hard to overthrow them in that sense. Uh, another thing would be, I think recently TikTok released their numbers. Uh, the numbers are a bit misleading because they will say that, oh, uh, TikTok had, I mean, ByteDance has this number of users. But the number of users is including of Toeing, uh, TikTok, and Total, which you need to speed it up and see like in the markets they compete in. Actually, they are still really far behind Facebook. So yeah, just, just some general mm. thoughts. Lah. Thomas, you wrote extensively about TikTok. Uh, that was some time ago, but uh, recently updated um, for TikTok, they are actually copying some features from Instagram. So Instagram stories, yeah, there's TikTok stories. But instead of following your friends, uh, I think that's more of following your favorite influencer itself. So yeah, Nigel, you're right. I think that 
the followers, you're stalking your friends on Instagram, right? But as a TikTok user, you're more of like just a bit brain dead. You're just following whatever's fun. Um, so the format is a bit different, but mm. features why I think they're trying to copy each other as much as possible. But there <laughs> might be some overlap. There might be just some overlap with the features as well as the users they are catering to. So for TikTok users, um, we see I think it's it's pretty young generation, right? Um, and they are using it to just sort of like kill time, right? Uh, Instagram, anyone can just go onto it and then start a business using Instagram, but not everyone can actually do that on TikTok. It's a lot more involved. Like you have a whole team set up, right? Doing the content and then like what well, blowing the fan and that kind of stuff uh, is, is amazing. Uh, all those kind of like uh, uh, videos. Uh, so yeah, I think it's very, very different um, going forward. Uh, of course, they are competing also because of the ad dollars. So that's why they are in the same space. Um, definitely a contender because they're taking up um, eyeballs, right? So if it reaches to the point where TikTok is taking up too much of, or I would say too much, a lot more um, time eyeballs attention from the same set of users that Facebook has, that Google has, or say like Instagram has, right? Uh, then, then that's cause for trouble, yeah. They have one of the best, um, uh, I don't know what metric to call it, uh, but it's just attention grabbing. Uh. So you mm. stay on for a lot longer as compared to Snapchat, as compared to Instagram. And it mm. just keeps scrolling. It's the way the mechanism works. And then the machine learning algorithm just keeps recommending the content over and over and over again. Now, Instagram doesn't have that same effect, right? But you keep checking back into Instagram multiple times a day. That's the difference. Yeah. So one is like long stretch. You like just like addicted to it lah for like two, three hours straight. And then like you wake up like, oh my gosh, it's really like 2 p.m. That's not when I started. Really? Yes, yes. There's this wow. suck. Uh, you get sucked into a different world. Whereas Instagram is like intermittently you check here and there. Maybe your friend posts a story. It gets, it informs you, right? If a push notification, then you see like, oh, what your friends up to. Then maybe you all hang out or something like that. Yeah. So it's very social that dynamic mm. which is uh, stays true to facebook's uh, call yeah yeah okay so i think i think for tiktok i'm not, I'm not a user you know i i, I tried it uh, i i think they're not looking for me lah i'm not the kind of user <laughs> that, that they're looking for as a content creator um, it's also not a platform that i i play in uh, but interestingly i think um, for a lot of people that are looking to invest in potentially invest in TikTok or any kind of social media company, right? You, you really got to fundamentally look at the ad ecosystem. Lah. Right, so there are two things, right? One is the MAU. You got to look at the user, user interaction and, and, and all the data as a subset of the user. But you also got to look at the ecosystem of the business, right? Uh, like, like what Thomas said, right? Uh, if, if, if it eats into a lot of attention and all that jazz, then yeah, probably, probably it, one day it will monetize and, and it can... Um, dominate the space, you know, as, as a three-corner fight, probably, okay? But if you ask me, there are a lot of other players that try, right, in the space, uh, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Snapchat, whether it's uh, Pinterest, you know, they are not as crazy, right? They're, they're not as uh, viral as, as TikTok for sure. But they have loyal following, they have, uh, you know, decent MAUs, they have good interaction, but they have a very lousy... Huh? Yeah, they can coexist, but they have a very lousy ad ecosystem. They are not monetizing very mm. well. Right, so mm. shout out to Jack Dorsey. Please choose your camp. You can you either work for Square, work for Twitter, go and quit one company. Okay, stop being a uh. CEO on both sides, and you know, <laughs> let the ladies do the job. Okay. Anyway, shout out to uh, to his CFOs. Uh, they're amazing. Okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's the that's the that's the idea, right? If you can get attention, great. But if you after you can get attention, you, you gotta monetize, right? As an advertiser, if I if I cannot monetize, then you know, uh, it, it it makes it a bit hard, lah. Yeah, so that that's uh my take on TikTok as a company. Anyway, it's not listed yet, right? Mm. No, yeah, no. Okay, okay. Yeah. But I think that's a great that's a great point uh you mentioned, which is the the how how um their ability to actually monetize the user attention. Because if you look on Facebook, right, there's a lot of very quality data that users are giving on Facebook. Uh, I join groups. When I join groups, my interest is all there, right? If you join like a, you join a I don't know, tree like group. cutting trees group or like planting okay, okay. trees it's or, cool, it's cool. or whatever, yeah. then they <laughs> No, no, I'm just giving random examples, right? Yeah. Then, then you know, people, uh, Facebook knows that you're interested in that. And then the interaction you have with your friends is definitely way more, uh, the quality of the data that they can actually collect compared to other platforms like um, TikTok, right? So that, that's one. Uh, but I must, I must say that TikTok's execution team is, is um, the, the team's execution is crazy. Like the rate at which they 
go about um, jumping into social commerce, partnering with all the social uh, e-commerce players and everything, right? It's way faster than what Facebook was doing. They had, like, like, like you said, they had years to do it, but they, they only started doing more recently. And TikTok just came in and just uh, executed. So I, I, I must say that the execution is great on their end. But at the core of it, um, advertising model or um, other areas of the business, I still think Facebook has a very big advantage. But, but by the way, I, I do think that people should recognize that TikTok being spun out from China essentially is a spin-off from Douyin, right? Douyin's social, like China's social commerce is crazy, right? So people watch live streams, people watch and buy and, you know, and all the, like the social commerce, right? Looks like a proper studio, like people film talk show like that, you know? Like yeah. all the Mediacorp studio is nothing compared to the the the, the kind of, uh, you know, Douyin Pochu that they are selling things, right? So... Uh, hmm. because of the social commerce, I think uh, it is an extension of, of that kind of behavior, right? Uh, and you're seeing it being localized into the different uh, e-commerce players also, right? Whether it's Shopee, Lazada, Taobao, they're all using uh, social commerce also, right? And we can have a good discussion about that another time. Lah. So yes, thanks for uh, joining us today, Nigel. It's great having you around. Yeah, I hope to see you around again. Yeah, great chat. Yeah, for everyone else that enjoyed our discussion, you can you know, give us a follow on our socials. Check out Nigel's channel also, Invest with Nigel on YouTube. Okay, join our Telegram group. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at thefinancialcoconut.com. Okay, any more questions, we talk on Telegram. Huh? Meanwhile, take care. See ya, guys. Ciao. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh. And trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.